All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Gaming History 101, the old podcast about old games. Um, and I'm one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas. Um, and actually, as far as I can tell, you're basically part of the team, but uh, across the way from me is uh, uh, Trees. What's up, Trees? What's going on? <laughs> we're, we're sitting across from each other at the retro table. Yeah, right? Looking into your dreamy eyes <laughs> and, and muscular. Have you, ever, have you ever gone you, into, <laughs> have you ever gone into the bar on Sunday nights? It's it's always the same group. It's the guys who are drunk still from the football game, and then those uh, guys who like just needed a fucking bite to eat and a beer after like a long day on a Sunday. Where no, I used guys? to be I used to be in the bar on a Wednesday night though, and watch people get the hook from karaoke. Oh, nice! Now see that I can get behind. It's even better. <laughs> Well, somebody told me, though, I wanted to make you an official part of the show, and you know I've offered it all the time, but somebody told me mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to do that. And the reason why is the second you feel obligated, you're going to stop showing up. So That's as right. long as I keep it open and you can cancel at any time, which you are welcome to cancel at any time. It's true. You know, the, the first time I'm like, I'm in, is the first weekend my girl will be like, we're going away this weekend. <laughs> exactly. No problem. So we'll keep it open. We'll keep it loose. Um, but uh, – well, this show is uh, normally live, but right now you're hearing it quote-unquote live on all games, but it's pre-recorded, so I'll, full disclosure, I'm currently in Vegas, and uh, Rob is doing what Rob does uh, on Super Bowl weekend. So Rob's probably drunk from the Super Bowl. Mm. So, um, And I'm definitely drunk in Vegas at this point. Um, I'm actually getting prepared for the Steel Panther concert as we speak. So, um, <clears throat> But uh, the show must go on, and we're definitely doing our game club. So for January, it was something I thought was going to be a light little game called Crash Bandicoot, a platformer from the PlayStation 1 era. And I learned real fucking quick that was a stupid uh, thought that it would be easy. Uh, that game's mm -hmm. uh, like, like a lot of games from that era. Uh, balls hard, and I didn't realize it. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, I realized it quickly this morning when I tried to power through it. <laughs> what I will say is there's definitely going to be a large group of people who are going to be like, it wasn't that hard. Mm -hmm. But from a platformer perspective, it's it's definitely brutal. Um, but uh, And again, with the game clubs, we kind of handle them in different ways. Obviously, with Chrono Trigger, I kind of burn through the plot as fast as possible. With um, Mickey Mouse, you and I kind of bounce back and forth. Yep. Um, I think we're going to do that a little bit now. But um, the biggest part about Crash is kind of how it came to be and what it's done for the industry, so that's definitely going to be the focus, but we will get into gameplay and playing through it. I did play through the whole game. Um, and, Trees, have you played through this before? I did. I mean, it was a hot shit when it came out, so, yeah, I it was like I played through it originally, mm -hmm. but I don't remember mm -hmm. much of it, and uh, I only played about two hours of it today before I got well, that's frustrated. That's probably half the game. <laughs> almost smashed something. <laughs> yeah, it's it definitely. I was playing it on my PSP because this is one of those rare games that I thought would work on a Vita, but it doesn't. Oh. There's no way to cheat it into a Vita. So apparently, Crash Bandicoot, you heard it here first, too advanced for the for the PlayStation Vita. That's nothing. I I blew it up on a giant TV on my PS3. Yes, and that's. that's... I, it... If you didn't think it looked pixelated before, blow it up on a giant TV. Oh, I, I did. I went and uh, beat the game, actually. I did the final three levels, which those are the worst, and then the Cortex battle um, on the big screen TV. And my wife was like, this is ugly. Yeah. Is that his, what is it, his eyeballs? Is that his, <laughs> it's sneakers? I don't know what that is. Just blocks. You know? uh, yeah. I think, I think he's winking at me or raising his eyebrows <laughs> at me or something, but I can't tell. 
um, also, uh, just so you know, our next up game club, um, I would love to say is decided. I thought I, we did a voting and I, I thought I would have the answer for you guys, but unfortunately I do not because, uh, there's a tie. And so we're going to settle the tie, um, you know, kind of breaking the third wall or the fourth wall here. Um, we're going to settle the tie tonight when we record the live show. Um, which will be last week's um, right now. So uh, we'll, we'll settle that. So whatever we decided on last week, that's what it's going to be. But if you guys don't want to listen to last week's podcast to figure it out, uh, go to GamingHistory101.com. It's on the main page, I promise. Um, so I guess we'll just jump right into it because sure. uh, this show's got to be a little close because I'm jumping the gun because I got hooked by a Wolverine game. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so game stats. Uh, this game released in August 1996. I thought it was a launch game for the PS1, but I was very wrong. This game came out about a year after the launch right. of the console. Yeah, the, the PS1 didn't have anything when it came out. didn't have a hook yet. No, no, no. In fact, uh, one of the big draws to this, and we'll, we'll cover this in a minute, is the fact that uh, Naughty Dog kind of picked this console because it didn't have a mascot and obviously crash bandicoot's tailor made to be a mascot character mm-hmm. um it was developed as we said by naughty dog you guys probably know them best if not for the crash series uh for the uncharted series but uh retro gamers especially ones going way back will know them for making a lot of shitty games before crash bandicoot <laughs> and some will argue maybe even yourself trees that at the time we loved the game but maybe crash doesn't hold up quite as well as we'd hoped <laughs> Yeah, you know, and let me say something for people who love seeing the Naughty Dog logo at the beginning of like Uncharted. It's yeah. a totally different feel for Crash. It's very '90s. Yes, it was. It's very uh, poochy. Well, because the logos, <laughs> yeah, with the with the weird like artsy sunglasses and shit. Yeah, the weird '90s like graffiti dog and well, doghouse. And it's yeah, weird. I remember the doghouse sliding over and kind of wobbling like it was made out of Jello. Mm. Oh, it's a great, it's a great title screen. And this is what I remember um, from then, and I even remember, or I definitely remembered now, was uh, how much, uh, how many logos are at the beginning of that game. And I now know why, because uh, we'll mm. talk about this, but uh, uh, in a sec. But yeah, um, it was uh, developed by Naughty Dog. It was published by uh, Sony Computer Entertainment of America, SCEA. Um, and we'll get on that in a sec. But um, let's talk about Naughty Dog real quick, without going into a huge retrospective. Uh, they were originally founded as Jam Software. If that isn't an 80s name, I don't know what is. I like it. Uh, they only had three other games uh, as Naughty Dog um, at the time they created Crash. Uh, there was Keith the Thief. I've I misspelled like... Thief in this outline. but <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was an RPG for the Apple II. And from what I hear, it was really bad. Like, it's so bad, I can't find reviews on this game. Like, that bad. Well, yeah, you can yeah. tell because they, they found a name that would rhyme with Thief. <laughs> for people true. who confuse you and thought that you know thought that you said Keith, oh, it's Keith. Yes, K E E F. Keith, like the thief. yeah, like Reef, but switching out the R and the K. Yeah, like it's, Keith. It's a sign. It's a sign. Keith the teeth. It's terrible. Um, Keith would not. Uh, this would not be his final appearance, though. He would come back in a uh, isometric RPG they made for the Genesis, which I had no idea this even existed. Called Rings of Power. I like it was it. Uh, it was published by EA and it was uh, panned hard by reviewers because it it basically followed a old school RPG aesthetic of um, of uh, <clears throat> the maps of the overworld where you were going in the dungeons uh, weren't available like on the pause menu or anything like that. Like even Final Fantasy One had you right. could see the overworld. You couldn't on this. You could buy a glossy map. 
um, that was available in like a strategy guide or something, but that was it. <laughs> it's kind of cool. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, Keef was a character in it. Um, and again, it was attacked. What I think is interesting and trees, I don't know if you played many of the Genesis RPGs. Um, the whole world seems to love fantasy star one and two. And both of those games needed you to have graph paper and write the and draw right. out the dungeons. And so I, I think it's interesting, but apparently the game shit also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. the, the only RPG that I played a lot of on the Genesis was uh, Shining in the Darkness, mm. which was like a dungeon crawl, first person sort of dungeon crawling type game. Like wizardry and stuff. It was roguelike. Like you died in that mm-hmm. dungeon, you were all done. Yeah, it was a roguelike that, that had the old PC stuff. In, in fact, it's very interesting how Genesis had a lot of old school PC style RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they get it right until Fantasy Star 4. <laughs> But um, and then the game I'm most familiar with in trees, if ever I need you on the couch to play this game with me, if I ever get you in the same room as me, mm-hmm. I'm breaking out my 3DO and we're playing this and I'm putting a mic on your ass and just having you comment on it is the 3DO game Way of the Warrior. I played Way of the Warrior. Yeah. What'd it was think? shit. Yeah. It was shit. <laughs> There's an Irish guy. No bullshit. Lifts his kilt up and shoots a fireball from it. Well, I, that was um, I had that for the Jaguar. Uh, Way of the Warrior? Well, Jaguar had, um, Jaguar had that game where it had the, um, yeah, it had the, the Scottish guy that lifted his kilt. And it also had, uh, hmm. the Indian, mm-hmm. Native American that would scalp people, which is really racist. Yeah. But it was, I, that is, those are, are you, are you, con- are you confusing Way of the Warrior with, um, maybe, I think you are. I think I am too. Now that you that's mention a, it. Because the Jaguar game is a different game. I can't remember the name. Yes, we've, and I know it is. We've talked about it before, and I can't. I can't. All I remember is any guy would say Pacwa all the time. Pacwa, Pacwa. <laughs> he throws fucking to the scalp. Yeah. It's crazy. Just, yeah, no, Way of the Warrior was, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe you didn't him. have the kilt thing. My you mistake. <clears throat> I am confusing it for a Jaguar, uh, Jaguar um, brawler, because when I put in kilt and Way of the Warrior, all I get is references to a Jaguar game. Anyway, um... But uh, to redeem yourself, both was shit. Yeah, well, and, and it again, it was it was exactly like Mortal Kombat. Like it had the screening of the guys, you know, in, in like the motion mm-hmm. capture stuff. Um, they looked real. Um, the biggest thing I remember about uh, there are two things I remember biggest about Way of the Warrior, and one of them is the worst confession I will ever make on this show. And when I tell you, Rob, you will agree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is that I remember uh, there being a lava stage, and the big thing was you could punch the guy into the lava, kind of like the pit, mm-hmm. and then his bones would leap out of the lava and grab the screen. That I remember specifically, and I remember that being just the coolest thing in the world. Um, the other thing is uh, the logo on it is a – I don't know how else to refer to it, so I call it a triple yin-yang, but it's like a yin-yang with the black, the white, and then the red is like bleeding over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, growing up, I was part of like a triumvirate of friends, and um, I I always wanted to do what was right. I never wanted to break the law. I never wanted to fuck around. I never wanted to be out late. Didn't want to get in trouble. You know, things like that. I'm that guy. 
And then my other friend always always got in trouble, had a record, you know, stole stuff, nothing crazy, but like always was the one calling you a pussy trying to get you to do something. <laughs> and then there was my third friend, and this man like defines apathy. If you look up apathy in the dictionary, his ass is sitting there. This guy is so apathetic. So you know what he did? I swear to God, in his head, he just flipped the fucking coin, and he was like, some nights he wanted to be a goody two-shoes, some nights he wanted to live life dangerously. And frankly, he was always the deciding vote. We would do whatever... It, it, my friends, I don't care if people know who they are. It's just first names that are common. Ryan and Jason. Jason was the bad guy, and Ryan always just swayed it. Whatever Ryan decided, we did. So we all came time to get tattoos, and we all oh, got no. tattoos. Right? You know exactly where this is going. And we all got tattoos that we thought represented us, and they're all stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ryan got um, he got something that kind of looked like the Orin from um, uh, uh, from Neverending Story. It was like two snakes eating each other. Nah. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, because, like, you know, each of you are kind of part of a snake, but when, like, we, we were all together, we're, like, whole and this and that. And we, we just thought it was totally stupid, but uh-huh. ours are no better. Um, my other buddy got three dragons, um, one that's really big and beastly, but it's they're all shadows, so you can't – there's no detail in them. <laughs> and then two, like, smaller dragons that are kind of, like, above and below him. And they're all in a sunset. And he was like, well, the big one's me. And, you know, that's how I live my life by the code. But then I got my boys on either side, you know. By the code. Yeah, right. Um, code. Oh, but, but again, this is 18-year-olds justifying it. This is why we have to be 21 before we get tattoos. Mm-hmm. And mine is the fucking way of the warrior symbol. And it's on my chest. I swear to shit. I shit you not. And so it was because I was white, Jason was black, and then Ryan was kind of chaos who just did whatever. So you have the logo of a shitty game forever tattooed on your chest. Not even on your arm. No, no, it's on my uh, left, please, oh. left breast over the heart. <laughs> I was going to say, please tell me it's huge like a shield and right in the center of your chest. Uh, no, no, no. It's on the left side, although it's, it, the colors stayed up very well. <laughs> nice. And luckily, no one recognized it. Not even gamers recognize it. Um, but I did win a contest at the uh, Midwest Gaming Classic. Uh the Drunken Gamers Radio Robot Panic guys uh, gave away a uh, old school Japanese uh, shmup mm-hmm. um, on PS2 uh, from Japan. It was like a rare, expensive game. I think it's called Espa Galuda or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very cool shmup. In fact, uh, on Shmup Appreciation, I'm uh, for 2013 in March. Um, I'm going to do a bunch of videos of like the rare shmups I own. And mm-hmm. that's going to be one of them. Um, but I won it for stupidest video game tattoo. And I had to get up on stage and everything, but they gave me like a $100 shmup. So there you I'll go. take it. Yeah. And you know what else is funny? The the guy at the tattoo parlor liked the design. And so he gave me the tattoo for free if he could put it in his book. And I was like, oh. sure. You didn't, you didn't clue him in? No, no, I didn't. Just, yeah, man. I did give yeah. him a $25 tip. But other than that, yeah, nothing. So I yeah. got the tattoo for free also. Nice. Anyway. Well, bring it, bring it around the crash. I, I during my research today, I, I saw a lot of crash tattoos, <laughs> a lot of the um, tiki mask. Yeah, you know, I'm actually happier that I have a way of the warrior logo than a crash tattoo. A giant tiki mask crash. You know what though, the tiki guy was your tiki protector, as I call him, yeah. the Punama guy. Guy, he yeah, was yeah. always my favorite part of that game. Yeah, it was cool, especially because remember when you get three in a row, you go batshit insane, and you would just. Uh, Run like crazy, basically. That's what he did. Uh, That's why why he had sneakers on. Yes, right. (laughs) Well, Crash was a little left to center, you know? Like, you hear these retrospectives and, um, like, uh, Naughty Dog going back through time and talking about Crash. 
But they seem to forget that, like, even on the title screen, he runs up and he just goes, Wah! You know, and then the yeah. title comes out at you. Crash was like insane. Like that he's, was his whole thing. He is a '90s mission statement in your face. He's like in your face. Everything's <laughs> in poochy. your face. He is. It is. It's like everything. Crash. He's in your face. He's always running at you. Yeah, Crash just seemed like he did a line of blow and like slammed a Red Bull and just they threw him out there to play a game. You know, he was just like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> but. um but, uh, uh, yeah, and again, I, I find a way to plug this every show, but this is a, a an adult show, so just be careful. If you haven't already figured it out, we're going to talk about some adult themes here. But uh, anyway. Crash. Um, yeah, now here we get into <laughs> the kids' adult. game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Crash was developed as part of a three-game publishing – excuse me, three-game publishing deal signed uh, with Universal. Um, it was uh, started with Way of the Warrior. However, Way of the Warrior is not part of the deal. Um. And as a result, uh, studio heads Jason Rubin and Andy Gavin uh, moved from Boston to California. So, um, and I didn't complete that sentence, so sorry, Trees. Uh, anyway, <laughs> at that time, they decided they would develop a 3D platformer that would place the camera fixed behind the character and involve speed, much like Sonic the Hedgehog. Since the player would spend most of the time looking at the back end of the character, they nicknamed the game the Sonic's Ass Game within mm-hmm. the company, and that's what it was referred to for the longest time. Uh, additionally, uh, Universal had like an idea as to what they wanted Crash Bandicoot to be mm-hmm. and Ruben especially, but no one at Naughty Dog um, liked it. And so that's why this game was consistently called the Sonic's ass game. And many would argue that, you know, especially cause it came out in 96 um, people don't know this, but the Saturn didn't really have a Sonic game. It had a couple of ports of uh, Genesis games like 3d rush, right? But it didn't really have a Sonic game, and um, Sonic Extreme was supposed to come out, and it was a 3D rendered Sonic game, and mm-hmm. I actually have the, the demo disc, because I have a modded Saturn, so you can just burn the demo and play it. Nice. I mean, it's, it's stupid. Uh, <laughs> just kind of running around like a hilly background, you know? Like, imagine Mario Mario 64 having, mm-hmm. like, the area in front of the castle, but with, like, no castle and nothing occupying the world. You're just kind of running around in dead space. Nice. Um, so as a result, Crash kind of did become the quintessential Sonic 3D game. And I would argue, although you may not agree with me on this, and I have to go in this saying I have not played Sonic Generations or Sonic Colors on the mm-hmm. Wii, but I do own both games. Colors um, is good. Yeah, I, I do believe that Crash Bandicoot 1, despite all its flaws, is better than almost any 3D Sonic game. <laughs> so definitely mm. better than the ones that came out on 360 PS3 at the beginning of the cycle. Um, mm. Well, Sonic Colors isn't really 3D. Well, so that's the basis it's sort of its appeal, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Crash is... Um, well, going back to just saying they wanted to make a, you know, Sonic, like a, ga- a game like Sonic. Yeah, He's- and I mean, we'll talk about it, but basically they wanted a game where a character from Tasmania would um, act like Taz and move like Sonic. So, there you go. Well... Just from playing a little bit today, yeah, not that fast. No, no. Somebody was doing exploring in Sonic the Hedgehog, which um, it's you know one of the controversial things when you ask Sonic fans: mm-hmm. uh, Is Sonic a game about exploration or speeding through a level? I am of the ideal that it's not about exploring levels. In fact, exploring Sonic levels is boring, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, and I'm sure I'm I I don't know if I'm the popular one. It doesn't matter. It's pretty much a fifty fifty split. Mm-hmm. But if you like the exploration part of Sonic, I guess this qualifies. Otherwise, not really. Except maybe the boulder levels where you run at the camera. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. Um, but they're bitches. <laughs> yeah. 
they're real yeah. bitches. You're doing lots of leaps of faith. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're either, you're either running at the camera shit chasing you or you're riding around a pig. <laughs> oh, the pig levels. <laughs> we'll we'll Hog- definitely get into those when we get into the game, but oh. Hog Wild, fuck that. Hog Wild. Very clever. <laughs> um Anyway, in selecting a console, this is how they came down to the PlayStation. They tossed around the idea of developing for the Sega 32X, huh? Huh? Mm-hmm. Sega Saturn, 3DO, and Jaguar. Those were the original platforms intended for uh, Crash. Um, by 1994, when they finally had time and money to make the game, it was revealed that the 32X was ending. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jaguar and the 3DO didn't end up handling 3D renders as well as advertising. And that's true. Well, the 3DO did okay with 3D renders, and I guess arguably so did the Jaguar, depending on the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't quite do what Sonic was wanting to do. These right. were fully polygonal worlds. Mm-hmm. It didn't really. It, they were faking it on the 3DO and Jaguar. Right. And last but not least, the Saturn, which for those that don't know, that was going to be a 2D only console. Somehow Sega, and this is probably why they're not in the manu- or in the console manufacturing world anymore. They never fathomed that we would move to 3D. So they basically hedged their bets on 2D, which is why Saturn handles 2D fighters especially, but 2D games so much better than the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because they rushed in another processor, which made um, the Saturn very hard to develop for and used uh, triangles instead of – or no, squares instead of triangles for polygons, um, yeah, it was kind of a Mm -hmm. no-brainer. The PlayStation was designed for 3D in mind. Early demos showed promise. Almost every game that launched was in 3D. And so uh, Naughty Dog uh, made a deal with SCEA, purchased a dev kit for the PS1 for 35 k Now, that mm. sounds extremely low, actually, for what I would guess a dev kit for a PlayStation 1 would be. But I could be wrong. I, don't, I could not find what the traditional price of a dev kit would cost. Right. I've heard uh, basically. I, I saw numbers uh, on base on different games starting at twenty five and going all the way to fifty. But they did say that on the lower end, like the twenty and twenty five thousand prices that I saw, some mm-hmm. of those were based off of like Capcom, for example, when they were making Resident Evil, bought like twenty five dev kits. You know, they had a lot of kits. Yes. So yeah, but Capcom made a lot of money off the PlayStation. You yeah, know. Yeah, they did. So, um, in fact, Capcom did really well with the Saturn too. Capcom really won out at that 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 time, um, and they're not doing too bad now. But anyway, no. they really won out in that era. Um, basically, as the two marched across the country, uh, going back, this is Jason Rubin and Gavin. Um, uh, in a slow move from Boston to L.A., the brief development of Crash was documented based on the locations in the trip. Just outside of Gary, Indiana, the stinkiest city in the fucking world, by the way, um, <laughs> which is. Uh, uh, northeast suburbs of Chicago. Um, they created the basic tech, and around Colorado, they decided to toss out a game they had been working on, A.O., Saurus, and Dynastine, a mm-hmm. side-scrolling time travel game that may or may not have become an arcade coin-op with human-dinosaur hybrids. Now, I almost want to know what this game was like and play sounds, a couple levels of it. Sounds awesome. Doesn't it sound like uh, the Joe and Mac we've been waiting for? I want to play a human-dinosaur hybrid. Or did you ever play Cadillacs and Dinosaurs in the arcades? It was like a Konami side-scrolling brawler. I had it for my Sega CD. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, was <laughs> that? I heard that was more of like a Dragon's Lair game, though. No, it was like um, I guess one of those... Wasn't it a driving game? I don't know. Now I want to... 
hunt that game down. I think it was a, dr- a weird driving game. It's hard to find, but it's not too expensive. It's under 30 bucks, so I may try to hunt that game down. And the Sega CD, I swear, was a driving game, but I could be crazy. Okay. I know it's not the arcade game. Now, see, I have a MAME cab, and the arcade game is like, um, think of uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, which was a cartoon in the mm-hmm. 90s, if you guys didn't know. Um it was it was like uh, Aliens versus Predator, the arcade game, like only adapted for um, Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Mm. <laughs> You've played them all. Run to the right, beat up things. You know, only it was dinosaurs. Um, anyway, they decided to pitch Crash instead as their new game. Um, after getting to L.A. and meeting with Mark Cerny over at Universal for approval, the team began work along with a guy they just hired uh, when leaving Boston. So he was from Massachusetts uh, named Dave Baggett. Uh, to create Ghoul, the game-oriented object Lisp, as the engine for the game. Which, I don't know what all that means, but <laughs> um, I think you'll agree with me, Trees. In 1996, this was a very fucking impressive game. Especially as a platformer. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, it was much smoother than Mario 64. And we'll talk about that in a sec. But uh, Mario was much bigger. Like, everything was bigger on screen. But <laughs> Crash and keeping things kind of lean... Uh, benefited from it. It was a much smoother transporti- uh, transition into polygons than than Mario 64 was. Mm-hmm. Um, the tool was completed in summer 95. At that same time, Ruben hired Bob Rafey and Taylor Kurosaki as additional artists for the project. And apparently, Ruben, Rafey, and Kurosaki um, are responsible for why that game looks so good. And for some of the cool stuff, it does. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, So we'll talk about development of the game. At this point, Naughty Dog already knew it wanted to, uh, as I said before, have a Tasmanian animal that would be like Sonic and act like Taz. Because of similarities to Taz and the character was a universal property, it was not going to be a Tasmanian devil. Mm-hmm. They decided on a wombat as a temporary placeholder, naming him Willie the Wombat. But team members <laughs> knew it would change and adapt before the final product. What do you think of Willie the Wombat? I think they should have brought him back for the kart racing. That's what I think. He should have been a hidden character. Willie the Wombat's great. Well, unfortunately, this isn't live. Otherwise, I'd start sharing, like, um, design photos of it and stuff. But if you guys get a chance sometime, uh, Google search, uh, Google image search Willie the Wombat. It's pretty interesting to see where what yeah. Crash looked like before. And he was a little fatter. And wombats I don't think of as fast animals. <laughs> but then again, s- neither are bandicoots if you look did, them up. Did, did he have sneakers on? Um, I don't I don't know. you got to give him sneakers if he's going to be fast. Yeah, if we weren't cut on time, I'd look it up. But uh, expect <laughs> a joke about that in uh, "quote unquote" last week's show. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, they also decided to have him as a mute protagonist, as no one was saying anything positive about talking characters at the time, especially animals. What do you think about that? I think that was actually a very smart idea. Crash, Crash just shut the fuck up. Mm. He says "yeehaw," but that's it. And that's yeah. when he beats the bosses. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like him as a silent protagonist. Um. Makes him seem a little more batshit insane. It also doesn't yeah. really anthropomorphize him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, he's wearing sneakers. Yeah, he kind of talks to you, but he still seems animalistic. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, he's wearing sneakers and shorts, jean shorts. <laughs> but uh, he's still well, animal. They had to do that to hide his um, his his uh, bandicoot dork. <laughs> yeah, his ban- the junk, the bandicoot junk. But he was. I do. I do like when he uh he does yell his yeah when he beats a boss. He jumps up and does the uh fist pump at the, at yeah, the he sky kinda does, he kind of does it's very anime almost he's got the sparklies and everything yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's like hardcore. A, it's like the end of a bad movie he jumps up and does a fist <laughs> pump at well, the screen 
And for some of the more bitchy bosses, I, it's totally warranted because that's exactly how you feel when you beat them. But at the early bosses, it seems a little goofy. <laughs> Uh, he was renamed a few times, remaining a wombat uh, like Wes, Wuzzles, and Wizzy the Wombat, Wizzy thanks to the marketing director of Universal, whom Naughty Dog fucking hated. Mm. He would spend he would spend stints with and without spots, with and without a tail, and with a mohawk hairdo. This is the cut that I don't think they should have done. They should have kept him fucking punk rock. Yeah. Um, he was ev- eventually given spiky hair due to trends at the time. I'm guessing Bart Simpson. Uh, given an attitude thanks to American culture, but is super cutesy in Japan. Uh, the same thing happens with Kirby. If you look at Kirby in Japan, he's always fluffy and cutesy. And in America, he's always with attitude and, like, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, he was eventually made into a bandicoot named Crash because he broke things in the game. Yep. Uh, that'll be the... Yeah, the the what are they called crate breaking shit yeah <laughs> Wizzy. can you imagine being a grown man that's your job man i know and you're just in a you're just in a room and you're like how about wes how about wuzzles how about willie can you the imagine Wombat? fighting for that too <laughs> like i'm feeling Wizzy. i'm feeling for Wizzy guys the business end of a barrel jesus christ can, uh, can, can i get a show of hands for Wizzy? anybody in the room Wizzy? <laughs> am i the only one on Wizzy? maybe to be ironic <laughs> Wizzy. Lunch. Um, we take a lunch. <laughs> Think about Wizzy. Come yeah, back. Let's go to lunch and discuss Wizzy at, at the newest. Uh, and this is, it totally feels like the, the universal, like, you know, the movie system. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, villains, Dr. Neo Cortex. Um, basically, he is brain from Pinky and the Brain. He is. Um, personified as a human. Um, I also love this. The idea to make the weasel-like characters who make up most of the enemies is because um, most of the most of the guys at Naughty Dog loved the Who Framed Roger Rabbit weasels. weasels. Yeah, and they, yeah. you can totally tell that when you play the game. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, so I dig that. Um, level design was intended to slowly move from tr- traditional island fortress um, that captured the worlds of An- Australia and Tasmania. You can definitely see that though. It's very mm-hmm. traditional, you know, kind of outback stuff. Um, it also accounts for the Tiki Idol Protector, the worlds, and the soundtrack. As you progress, the game slowly migrates to Cor- Cortex's cold machine world, and eventually, um, his his like air blimp in the air that makes up the final levels is his twisted mind. Mm-hmm. And man, he's a twunt. I hate those fucking levels. Um, all the art was drawn based on odd angles, dynamic colors, and accounted for lighting due to different times of the day across the 32 levels. And that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Some levels are at sunset, some are in the morning, some are at night, some are inside, some are outside. There's yep. lots of dynamic lighting for this game. Um, and despite them being the worst, some of the worst levels in terms of difficulty for the game, the uh, inside the, the, the Mayan temples are very cool uh, yep. levels in terms of dynamic lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah. anyway. I, I definitely, playing to the first few levels, like you, that vibe, you know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. that Australian vibe or whatever, like you forget because I haven't played it in so long. But popping that on, like I instantly remembered all the sounds. Yeah, and I don't everything. know if this is a very appropriate description, but it feels very aboriginal. It, yeah. Um, and I hope that's a, an appropriate term. Again, I don't think it's derogatory by any means, but I, I think that's what they it, call a lot of those uh, those it, Aussies. It's pretty. It's pretty unique to this day. For a setting, not, maybe not a setting, but just a vibe. You know what I mean? 
Well, and you know how we kind of talked about how DKC Donkey Kong Country was it looked kind of like everything was like inflatable rafts at a at a <laughs> water park. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Crash didn't. Everything looked like it was hard and textured, and <laughs> you know what I mean. And it, it was due to the fact that the game. I mean, especially compared to uh, Super Nintendo games, it zoomed out. I mean, Crash was a small part of the screen mm-hmm. for a large part of those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you see it even more so when you play it on like PSP. Yep. <laughs> but uh, large risk were, large risks were taken to make the game look great, like making everything purely polygonal uh, with renders. They compressed everything. Uh, most of the time, it was like thirty two, I think, megabit pick, uh, polygons were turned into two megabits, so they were mm-hmm. highly compressed. Uh, they adjusted for textures and even had a fixed camera uh, to con- uh, to control the polygon count. Um, it paid off in the end, um, but many of those decisions were doubted. Jason Rubin was responsible for a lot of those. Um, the plus side was because development cycles were still pretty low, like especially in the PlayStation 1 era, like it took less time than it took to make a fucking Super Nintendo game. So Naughty Dog could afford to take these risks, impress Sony, and then get the deal right before the game came out. Mm. And we'll talk about this right now as to how this game developed. It came together very fast, especially mm-hmm. by today's standards. Um, first three levels were playable in August 95. They were deemed too hard and actually don't appear into the game until the later power plant levels. This is roughly level like 25 <laughs> out of 32. Additionally, the puzzles were seen as too, uh, I, I spelled too wrong, but uh, too easy. And, uh, there wasn't enough power in the PS1 to process many enemies on screen at once. And as we talked about last week, this will be a problem for developers going all the way up to the 360. I think Cameo and Dead Rising was like, you know, developers going, finally, we can put as many fucking enemies on screen mm-hmm. as we want. Finally. Um, but it was a big problem with scarcity. The levels seemed sparse yeah, in Crash. They do. Um, to work with this, well, they, they do now. Imagine before. I, because Ruben integrated different symbols and boxes and different behavior patterns for the boxes to add challenge to the game and puzzles. And so that's what he did to kind of... Um, you know, kind of switch it up. Imagine this game without the boxes and right. puzzles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, there wasn't much to do. No. Um, and uh, it, it definitely explains why this game is unnecessarily hard for what it has to offer in terms of the special stuff. Like, Trees, you know that if you beat any level with within without dying and getting every box, you get a uh, a kind of gem version of the level which lets you get to secret areas and stuff like that Mm -hmm. basically the gems are at the end of the level and they give you extra stuff but you know and we'll kind of i guess i'll just touch on it now beating the game with all the gems and all the stuff 100 percent taken care of Mm -hmm. actually gives you an awkward ending that skips the boss battle and your girlfriend doesn't really love you at the end and so it's a weird ending it's not (laughs) the good ending in fact it'll be the only crash game and so this is why you kind of see it as an afterthought, where doing all that stuff doesn't give you the canonical ending. <laughs> so, yeah. So don't don't bother. And I didn't after a while. Um, in January 96, the studio begins to integrate crate puzzles. In March, Willie the Wombat becomes Crash. In April, it enters Alpha, and it premieres in May 96 at E3. And just for those keeping track, September 96, it will release. Mm. So this game basically in one year yep. went from three levels to 32 levels post alpha gone gold printed and released mm. that's pretty fucking impressive 
Um, development was definitely struggling thanks to Universal putting up traditionalists in game design. Crash's name and personality from a wombat to an otzel. He was Ozzy the Otzel for a moment. I like that too. <laughs> Had Ruben and Naughty Dog threatening to quit the project several times. Uh, and they wanted to make the love interest, uh, Tana, to be some big-breasted cartoon sex pot. She's, so. clo- she's close. She's not far from it. Yeah. What are they talking about? <laughs> I've never like seen a, a bandic- furry's wet dream. I've never seen a bandicoot look like that. I've never even seen a bandicoot. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the biggest problem was Universal making stupid decisions that didn't meet the goals or ambition of game design at the time. They were basically doing the um, crank-out-a-movie treatment right. on Crash. Um this is kind of interesting, and I don't know if you knew about this, uh, Trees, but uh, in a continuing attempt by Universal Interactive to take credit for Crash Bandicoot, Naughty Dog was told they weren't allowed at the first E3. <laughs> uh, and this was the first E3, I should point out, uh, 95. Oh, okay, so 96 was, was, the, uh, was the, the, so this was the E3 it premiered at, so it was the second E3 of all time. Um, <clears throat> as a result... Um, there were leaked copies of temporary box covers and press materials from the from E3, upon which no, the Naughty Dog logo, in violation with a contract between Naughty Dog and Universal, was omitted. Mm. So basically, Universal was trying to leak stuff that they took credit for the game, and you'll see that in the opening credits. Not uh, Universal actually shows up before Naughty Dog. Mm-hmm. Naughty Dog has a much prettier logo, though, so you can tell the, the, they they yeah. garnered for that. Yeah. Um, and it's more interactive. But in response, Jason Rubin drafted and printed 1,000 copies of a document entitled Naughty Dog Creator and Developer of Crash Bandicoot <laughs> and handed it out in front of the Crash display at the E3. Beforehand, Rubin passed out flyers for review to Universal Inter- Interactive and angered its president. Crash Bandicoot was first shown in May 96, as we said, and met with enthusiastic reactions. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess without further ado, let's jump into the actual game. Oh, boy. Uh, there's not much to tell. Uh, as far as plot goes, I mean, you're saving your girlfriend, but you wouldn't really know that from the game. Doesn't He, he washes up on shore and kind of looks like... Well, um, well, if you let the game idle, I mean... Well, that's that, right. It does tell you the that, story. Yeah, he's... And it's, it's heavy on uh, testing on animals. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a test experiment. And he, it, it, he goes wrong. And he kind of... The machine goes wacky and he busts out. And that's why he can run around and he has sneakers and shorts. And the thing yeah, is, yeah, and he has superhuman or super bandicoot strength. And they're gonna basically do testing on the girl bandicoot, and that's mm-hmm. why you're gonna like Tana. go rescue her. But yeah, um, so you gotta stop her from cortex. But I was confused because she's already sort of hot and wearing clothes and blonde hair, and I'm like, well, did they already experiment on her? Because that's a good thing. Whatever they're doing. No, no, Crash is an ace. I mean, he just found the one hot bandicoot out there. Okay? Is that what it was? Yeah, everyone else is shitting themselves and not wearing clothes and looking weird. But he found the one, you know, it's like Conker. Somehow Conker's girlfriend, you know, same thing. I mean, Crash's girlfriend looks like she's about to, like, wash a car on a hot day. (laughs) Video game characters will always get hot females. It's just like TV. The fat guy with the super hot, smoking, thin wife. It's always happened. It was just confusing because they make it look like, like, yeah, it's Crash. disjointed. Like, what what haven't they done to her? Yeah, like, like because Crash is a, a regular animal, and yeah. he, he is the way he is because they did some weird testing on him. But then right. they make it look like they haven't done it to her yet, and he's going to save her before they do. But I'm saying, whatever they're I'm doing I'm saying to that's her, all stuff that was lost in translation, where Universal was like, you have to do this stuff, and they uh, were like, fuck you. And they removed as much as they could, but they couldn't get away with it. it. I mean, if I was Crash, 
I would be rounding up more female bandicoots and being like, do whatever you did to that one. <laughs> the other thing that's weird is, did you notice Tana's in all the bonus levels? If you end up in the bonus level, right. um, she'll give you the thumbs up and let you save. And why is she there? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Is, is that you just keeping your eyes on the prize? Yeah, She's motivation. there waiting for you? It's the motivation. Come on, baby. There you yes. go. Yeah. Motivation. Oh. Um, I think the the initial thing you learn, especially in the beginning, and again, I have that same problem with Sonic. Did I tell you I, I did uh, I beat Sonic CD, did a game capture of the whole thing, Ugh. and realized I didn't capture the anime cutscene in the beginning. If you let it go, oh, what's the matter with you? This and like, w- yeah, that's song. the whole reason to have that fucking game. Just for that one song that they play. Oh yeah, that song is amazing. Yeah, that's nineties rock all over again. Yeah, man. But. Um, but yeah, and you learn really quick with this game that uh, this game is basically um, all about perfection. And I don't know about you, Trees, but that's where I start running into issues. And I'm a guy who plays stealth, but mm-hmm. perfection is something that, uh, you know, especially with bitchy platformers, I'm not going to do perfectly. Yeah, this is, um, yeah, I mean, your best runs at this game is when you don't stop. Yeah, but think about this. Like, in order to beat this game and get everything you want, one hundred percent. Yeah, you have. I mean, it's... you have to beat thirty-two levels, getting every box, and a lot of those boxes are put in real dick places in order to kill you. Yes. And every time you die, even once, you have to quit some of these longer levels and replay the whole thing for perfection. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I can think of a fun time I can have with a blowtorch, my balls, and a fucking vice over doing that shit. Yeah, it was it, replaying it to, today, and I played a little bit during the week. But it was like that's when I would put the controller down. Was when I got kind of far in and would mm-hmm. die and continue, and it would put me back like two whole maps. And I'd oh, be like, yeah. and I'd be like, I'm not doing that shit again. No, no, no. <laughs> and and you get to this point near the end where when you get the the areas where you can save, mm-hmm. you literally like. Fuck all, forget the boxes I'm going to get. None of that stuff. It's it's speed dash as best you can yes. to the end and get to save. Yes. And when you save, Crash goes, <laughs> and man, that could be the more appropriate response to exactly yeah. what's going on. E- even the bonus rounds is like, fuck all that. Oh. I just get to the end so I can save. Like, Oh, I, yeah, and, and all not... of them are about falling. And if you fall and fail, you're fucked. You can't go back and replay that. Yeah, it's that, over. Yeah, you don't get the save. <laughs> no, you get dumped, and that's it. You have to replay the whole level once you beat it in order to get that save. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's ridiculous. But I just love how he, he wakes up on shore. And, again, you've explained, and I, I kind of knew that, but I, I hadn't read through the manual or, or watched that intro this time around. Mm-hmm. You explained kind of what's really going on. But it's hilarious because he wakes up, like, on shore. And I just imagined a long night of drinking. Like, I just imagined Crash was just getting his shit together and met this hot chick and he's got to go find her again because mm-hmm. she got kidnapped by some weird fucking pinky in the brain dude. Um, but, uh, yeah, you play through the game and, and again, right away, it's like fucking with you. Mm-hmm. It's like the, 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 the area forks and one is a really simple path with one block that gives you a checkpoint. And the other one is like a long path of blocks. And if you want to get all the crates, you've got to jump on each one of them and move slowly with this horrible camera angle. Yeah. Oh, and then when you beat any level without dying, it'll tell you how bad you suck because you let X number of blocks like, like go and they hit you on the head with, yeah, they drop them on your head. Yeah. So you're like, hey, dummy, you missed nine of them. (laughs) 
And it's just, I mean, this game spends its whole time telling you how shitty you are. Yeah. It really does. And I think that was another problem I had with it. And at the time, I'm sure it came off as like, you doof, you know, oh, that's Crash being Crash again. But to me, it was just like, you motherfucker. And you know, even the, um, so the game's busted up into like uh, roughly like three different play styles. There's, there's a classic like side scrolling. And mm-hmm. then you have the, the Sonic Adventure ones where you're either running towards the screen, which are horrible. Or, or, or you away from or it. away, but the the thing is because the emphasis was such, you know, 3D. This is a 3D game that even yeah. the 2D, even or, or, you know, the side scrolling has mm-hmm. depth to it. And so it's you, horrible so, how that detects it. So and when you're trying to jump on little crates like over like a, you know, death. Yeah, it's ter- like you can just miss them and not miss them left or right. You miss them. Either. Like you go straight through them in your or, field of vision. Yeah, so the background of foreground. So you're like, oh my, come on, man. Yeah. And, this, and there are also secret crates in the background and foreground. That's also a horse shit. You know? And there's and they just it's a brutal platformer, man. It really is. But, like through and through. The the the, the side scrolling stuff was just brutal, as in unforgiving, to the point mm-hmm. of like giving you little crates that you bounce on. And you just keep going yeah. up and up and up. And if you miss one and fall to the bottom, you just got to do it all over. Yeah. And it's it's brutal, man. And and then the other ones where, you you know, say a bolt is chasing you like Indiana Jones style. Yeah. Running towards the screen. That's just like – you got to just memorize that shit. Like, oh, yeah. Wait, you just you're... die over and over and you just memorize it. It's leaps of faith. I mean hands down. Yeah. And with the ones that rotate, yeah, you're just jumping and trying to adapt. Um, And, and did – you probably may have not gotten this far this time around. This game only takes about four or five hours to beat, mm-hmm. um, but which I guess explains why it was so hard to get the one hundred percent. Because you know, again, like many games in this era, and this really wasn't a whole lot different than the sixteen bit era. These games take no time to get through, so they have to give you a reason to mm-hmm. really perfect it and repeat it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, but there were literally parts where, like, I would enter an area and I would see what they want me to do, especially the side-scrolling ones. You know what they want you to do. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at the timing on this, and you literally look at your PSP and go, fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like this is the first time where, like, I'm about to enter into a sequence, and I already know how this is going to go down, and I'm already pissed about it. <laughs> you know, I, I played today, and I got to the... um. The Fortress, Tasmanian mm-hmm. Fortress or whatever it was. Oh, yes. Tiki Fortress, I forget what they call it. The Big Wall. The Big Wall. <laughs> yeah. And they throw every platforming fucking vice at you. Trope. They, oh, every meme that, that they, sucks. I mean, there. there's the bouncing straight up. There's hitting triggers that are mm-hmm. timed. So, like, basically you're hitting these platforms that will flatten out for you so you can jump on them. And they're about five five levels high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and as you go up them, they've reset. So if you miss yeah. one, you got to do it over. Down all the way. There is uh, spikes and like flames that shoot up that you got to time jumping over. Mm-hmm. There's enemies that will bounce you back off the level. Like they have shields. So yes. if you hit them wrong, I mean, and it's all on one goddamn level. And for I got I got past it. Fred, it took me a while. I yeah. got two more levels past that and died, and it put me back at the beginning of the fortress. Yeah, that's where you're just like... And I went, mm. nope, <clears throat> not doing that again. 
No, it really it, – it, I mean, it's gut-wrenching. Uh, if you ever watch um, – you know, I talk about this from time to time, Game Center CX, um, when Arino goes and beats uh, Donkey Kong – I don't know if you ever played through Donkey Kong Country. Have you played through any of those? No, I never. I never played them. Okay. Well, there's this. There's this one guy. Like, there's like two partners you guys have. There's like some girl who lets you save. She's your save point on the maps. Mm-hmm. And then there's this dude who's like a surfer dude, and he'll take you in a plane to any map you wanted to go to. Any map you've been to, you can go back to. Mm-hmm. And I never understood his purpose. I've never used him. And then I watched Arino play this game, and he used him to fly every second. He beat w- just one level. He would fly to wherever the girl was to save. Smart. So whenever he died, he had all his levels beaten already. Mm-hmm. And it's genius. And Crash is the same way, only there's no safe spot to go resave. Mm-hmm. You have to literally beat a bonus level. And fuck me if that's not just like a very obtuse it's also weird to save in the middle of a level yes. to this moment i can't tell you whether it saves based off of you beating the level or not beating the level and when you save these bonus levels and for people who haven't played in a while you got to find whatever what's her name what's the girl's name uh tana you got to find gotta get to her at the end there's yeah. three symbols of her like three her face her profile whatever oh no 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 that's a different guy it's some weird like creature you never actually fight no, no, but I mean to get to the the Tana bonus levels, you got to get three of her faces. Is that her? Okay, that there's might two be of them. Her. There's, there's a bald yeah. guy too. But well, there's the no, there's there's the the two scientists. There's Doctor Cortex. He's no. Well, anyway, there's there's yeah, there's two different. Uh, I've never trips got, you can get. I've never gotten the bald guy, but I have, and his levels fucking. There's only two of them. Oh well, she is she is in every level, every other level. And you got to get three, like three of her faces, and then you can go to the bonus level and save. And it's usually by the time you get the third face, you're either near the end of that level or in the middle. But when you save it there, and you can, and say you go back to the game and continue, it doesn't put you in the middle of the level where you where you save. No, I think it puts it back in the beginning. I think it, well, I'm almost wondering if if you beat the level within whatever group of lives you've got, it counts that. But I can't tell you for sure because um, every time I would quit, I would rage quit. I mean, I would Rob Turbo rage mm-hmm. fucking quit this game. And you do. You seriously like put your P- uh, like for me with the PSP, I would put my PSP back in its case. Mm-hmm. And I'm a grown ass man at a hospital working on my break. And I got to just sit there fuming mm-hmm. and just breathe it off. And it was tough. Yeah. Well, I don't know what they constant, constitute as a full level, but I know playing today, I would move from point A to B to C on the map, and uh-huh. I would save in the middle of one level using the bonus stuff, and uh, yeah. if I died, it would put me back like two spots on the map. Okay. Well, then there you go. So it's not like it, you reach the end of that one map spot and you get to save that. Like that, right. that ending saving thing where they drop crates on your head. That doesn't happen every single time, so I don't know what they constitute as the, the official oh. end of a chunk of levels. The thing where they drop crates on your head is only if you beat a level without dying. Okay. Um, and this, the whole thing about bonuses and the gems and all that stuff is beating every level, getting every box without dying. And that's where I just look at this game and go, fuck you. Mm. This is hard enough without that. Yes, there's a lot of stuff. I have enough stresses in my life. I don't need to shave 20 years off my life doing this shit. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on in Crash, man. A lot of... Yeah. yeah. Having said that, it's it's pretty amusing. Again, it's a little frustrating, but it's it's pretty amusing. The characters have a lot of heart. Um, 
And I want to talk about the bosses, but right before we do, because I think that's how I was going to wrap this up with the games. I didn't want to talk about each level or anything. Uh, the game gets harder as it slowly mechanizes itself into a testing facility. Um, if there's any specific levels you want to mention, cool. But otherwise, um, what I wanted to talk about was um, Hogwild. That's what was the only one I was going to mention. Absolutely. Because that was a big thing. Because like... Crash looks like he's riding up on that shorty like he's going to hit it. <laughs> yeah, he... He does those weird, like... Eyebrow thing. Yeah, he looks. He looks at the screen. He breaks the fourth dimension, and he he yeah. looks at the screen, and he 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 raises his eyebrows like I'm gonna go get this fucking pig. <laughs> There's a pig like grazing, and he's like, I'm gonna jump on it. Yeah, I'm gonna jump this pig, and then he's just yeehaw style, like slapping in the ass <laughs> and riding it. And these are the hit detection has never been so bad in a game as it is with this game, especially in the later Hogwild levels. Oh, I remember. They just ruined my universe. They were so mean. Yeah, you know, and they don't even play around with those. Hard, like, he kills that pig. Like, if you hit something, that pig, it, it's dick. It's dead. You're eating shit. Yeah. Yes. The pig dies. It even twitches to death. Yeah. And then you're eating shit. It like, yeah. It like, slides on the ground. Like, it hits some spikes. <laughs> like, it doesn't even, it's not like, oh, we tipped over. No. Yeah, no. Fucking, that pig was minding its own business. <laughs> you rode that shit into the <laughs> spike wall. And you know what? Naughty Dog never gets nicer about this. I don't know if you remember, but in Crash 3 Warped, mm-hmm. you're riding a little cuddly panda <laughs> or, like, polar bear this way. This baby polar bear. And you're, like, just smearing it across the ice. It's so bad. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, um, so Hogwild, uh, in in concepts and watching it in videos, amusing, awesome idea. <sighs> Otherwise, fuck that. Fuck though, they're the worst. They're some of the worst levels. They don't compete with Cortex's castle, but otherwise they're horrible. Um, and trees, I wanted to point out on the game facts mm-hmm. walkthrough. I'm kind of referencing. This is what they say about Hogwild. After leaving the jungle, Crash has been caught yet again. So in order to get out of the village, he must ride a pig. The pig can jump and move from side to side. Uh, Crash tackles it and rides it. <laughs> sure does. Here are your tips. One, keep moving. What's that fucking mean? Like you have any choice. (laughs) And two, at the end, there will be a native. Go to his right rather than his left, even though that looks like that's what you're supposed to do. And I think that best sums up this whole game. This whole game is about fucking with you. Mm -hmm. Taking what you logically want to do and making sure they put an obstacle in the way of that Mm -hmm. logic. And that's one thing I just really have a hard time with especially in the later levels it really makes you grind your teeth yeah so um all right well real quick we'll just burn through uh the bosses okay um so uh let's see here our now let me just say for for memory's sake the only boss i got to today was the 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 the, papu papu the papu papu boss yeah he's the guy who slides the uh his little staff Cane across the ground. Yeah, and actually, a lot of people don't know this, but in Japan, his staff is longer, so he's got more girth, and uh, and he uh, he attacks much stronger, and he has more life, so he's a lot harder in um, in Japan. Three hits in this one. Yeah, three hits, and he's out. Uh, level eleven, my favorite boss, Ripper Roo. You remember this? The absolutely bad shit, insane kangaroo that's got a straitjacket. I do remember that. Yeah, and you'd have to – basically, there are nine blocks and TNT in between. 
And so your goal is to jump on the TNT and then make sure Ripper Roo, because he'll jump at where you were. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure he's he's on the block when it blows up. Three or four hits and he's down. Ripper Roo. Yeah, Ripper Roo. Um, loved Ripper Roo. <laughs> he really was. And he like giggles at you and everything. He was great. Um, next up is Kwai Kong. Um, he's this big buff rat that's underground in the caves. And, uh, there's like mine carts going by a la Indiana Jones. There is a lot of Indiana Jones references mm-hmm. in this game. Um, and he'll throw rocks at you. Um, and your, tr- and, and TNT blocks will drop from above that will blow up. So it kind of like kind of corrals you into an area mm-hmm. and he's got some rocks you can destroy. And then a couple of them you know, we'll launch back at him and that's how you injure him, you know, break in that whole 3d space. Mm-hmm. And of course the mine carts become more abundant. So they kind of, they'll take the hit for him. So that's, you know, kind of the trick with beating him. He wasn't too hard though. A lot easier than Ripper Roo. Ripper Roo, the hardest part is the, uh, you know, the, the angles fuck with you. Yeah. 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 It's that whole depth field of vision stuff. It's, it's always an ongoing problem. Um, next up, the next boss is pinstripe. My favorite, Definitely after a Roger Rabbit guy. He's the uh, he's the rat with the or the the weasel with the Tommy gun, mm-hmm. and Crash takes cover behind like chairs while he just shoots up the place. And then he has times where his gun jams, and you're supposed to sneak up and hit him, and then you hide again. Um, him, the only way he's hard is uh, patience. Right. So, and apparently, according to this game facts guy. He only has six hit points. You don't have to hit him six times, not eight for all you fools who think you know shit and don't know how to count. Did he write that? Um, yeah, he, he actually writes <laughs> And you know what's really funny about that? There is a distinct possibility that he had more hit points in the Japanese version, and that's what people are talking about, but that's neither here nor there. Bunch of fools. The fact that he decided to write that in there cracks me up. Um, the most annoying boss for me is, um, right before, uh, Cortex. It's two levels up. He's the bald guy that you can collect mm-hmm. the, uh, icons for. His name's Nitrous Brio. <laughs> He's the, uh, weird Igor-like guy. Right. And he, he mixes up, like, um, exploding vials that are purple. And then later on, he makes green vials that make, like, little blob monsters. And the trick with these blob monsters is you have to avoid them. And then they get frozen for a minute, and you can jump on them. If you try to jump on them when they're moving, there's a chance you'll just get hit arbitrarily. Of course, there's no rhyme or reason for this. Mm -hmm. And then once you've taken out certain things, you just go up and and just hit him. And so, basically, you're just just avoiding blobs and and explosions and jumping on them. Again, it's more patternistic. You just got to learn the pattern. And then Dr. Cortex is the last one. I don't know if you remember this. This is up on top of the tower. And he shoots three types of rays. He shoots a blue ray that flies at the screen, and you've got to avoid it. A purple ray, which will fly at the screen, and you've got to avoid it. And then it'll come on either side and do little patterns. Mm -hmm. Very easy patterns, though. And then they're the green ones. They'll go towards the screen and then freeze for a second. You've got like a second or two to, to hit them back at him. And, of course, as you injure him, you have to get more and more green ones together to hurt him. Um, I, I remember him. I remember fighting him more than the other boss, some of the other bosses you're men- mentioning. Yeah. I, I can remember him. He kind of flies around on a rocket pack. Really reminds me of Dr. Wily for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, he's like a mishmash of, like, other villains. So many villains. Yeah, yeah. yeah I exactly. mean, his only, he, he has a giant end stamped on his head, so you know who he is. <laughs> yeah, he really does. I like that, though. The Harry Potter tattoo. But I do like that. I think that's funny. 
Yeah, yeah. And and again, um when you when all is said and done, it's actually you know, I mean, when you get done, you're finally like, wow, cool. And again, this is one of those games where the last boss I was like, fuck, after what I just went through, like, thanks for taking it easy on me, Naughty Dog, for the end there, because he's really not a hard boss, mm-hmm. and if you die, you just get to repeat it. And the one thing we didn't talk about is this game knows how balls hard it is, because especially as you get further in the game, and if you're religious about saving, you can tally up a shit ton of lives. Right. Yeah, you're always getting them. Yeah, I mean, but you you really got to go, um, and again, th- this is all about memorization. It has very little to do with Twitch, even Twitch skills. Um, it has more to do with memorization. Mm-hmm. So if you've played through the game a couple of times, especially like me, I played through this game twice Ugh. doing this game club. Jeez. I know, right? Lord. Gag you with a spoon. But uh, the second time I went through, I got into triple digits with lives. And then on some of the last Cortex levels, I got down to like, I went from like 115 down to like eight lives when I finally beat the wow. game. If that tells you anything. Man. Yeah, you could get lives Ooh. from anything. You could get them in the levels from just breaking crates. You could yeah. get them in the bonus levels. They threw tons of them at you. And then like, like, um, like a Sonic collecting rings or whatever you you collect. Oh, uh, yeah, the, uh, passion, the peach fruits or whatever, passion fruits yeah. or whatever you collect them. Yeah, you know, I was at the apples when I was younger. I never, I never, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never cared. I really think there look. are specific fruits. Somebody mentioned it in a Wikipedia article or some. It was actually Bandapedia article, um, but uh, but I let it go because <laughs> I didn't think it fucking mattered. No, it doesn't matter. Um, so real quick, uh, reception generally favorable. Ugh, generally favorable reviews. This was basically the uh, 32-bit era's Donkey Kong Country. Um, bosses were attacked a bit because they looked very clunky mm-hmm. and uh, pix- and kind of polygonal and, and chunky. Um, thanks to their large size, although after people got their eyes on Mario 64, which did it to an even worse level, it was kind of excused. Mm-hmm. Um, gameplay was hindered and attacked a lot, especially because it had almost a day and date release with Mario 64. So it was getting compared very much so in magazines, which those things were still around back then. Um, and it was definitely scoffed for its fixed camera as were resident evil and various other games. Um, it's kind of a hindsight thing that we like the fixed camera mm-hmm. of this of this and other games. Additionally, the game had brutal platforming. It was considered to be a true testament of hardcore platforming at the time. But the poor angles gave a false sense of difficulty. Mm. A lot of reviews I read were like, you know what? This game thinks it's tough, and it's just bullshit because it doesn't know fucking depth perception. No kidding, man. And I, I, would, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I would, too. <laughs> I would, too. So, um, this is a good chance to talk about something that doesn't have to do with Crash, but it would go on to sell 6.8 million units. That does not count the PSN release. Mm. Uh, list says number nine in the all-time best-selling PS1 games of all time. So, you want to talk about the top ten PS1 games of all time real quick? <laughs> okay. Because I, I need an excuse. Okay. Number one is Gran Turismo, 11.15 million. Uh, number two is Gran Turismo 2, 9.97 million. <laughs> Yeah. Final Fantasy 7, no shocker there. Mm-hmm. Is third, 9.72. Tomb Raider 2, 8 million. Oh. Tomb Raider 1, 8 million. Mm-hmm. Here's the one that blows my mind. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone slash the Sorcerer's Stone, 8 million. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's number six. Uh, 
Number seven, Final Fantasy eight, seven point eight six million. Number uh, eight, Wait, PlayStation one. Yeah, yeah. the Harry Potter game for the PlayStation one. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone did come out in the PlayStation one era. Yeah, two thousand, I think. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. yeah, mind blown, right? And it's based off the book, just so you know. Okay. Yeah, I would imagine uh, so, but still. Like, yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it released around the same time as the movie, but they didn't tie it in yet. I think people were thinking it was a big risk. And obviously it was, but it worked out. Wait, are you telling me the movie came out around the time of the PS1? Yes. Get out of here. Like, yeah, the movie came out in 2001, I think. Not, none of that. the ass end of the PlayStation 1. Am I crazy? None of that seems right. No, it doesn't seem right at all. My brain, right you're, you're you. breaking my head head right now with that shit because i don't um, I can't, okay go on no 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 it's it's it, it really is you just like harry potter really it just is one of these things is not like the other no i'm <laughs> just thinking like harry potter like is that like xbox seems more recent yeah definitely but those eight movies spanned a lot of time um hmm. final fantasy 8 will be uh number eight 7.86 million mm-hmm. shipped or no i'm sorry number seven number eight crash bandicoot 3 warped 7.13 million Crash Bandicoot 6.82. Tomb Raider 3 is number 9 with 6.5 million. This one shocked me. I'm surprised this is low on the list. Metal Gear Solid with 6 million is number 10. Ah. Uh, I guess you can kind of see that. It's a weird game, um, man. When you get down to number 15 though, it really breaks out. Like Final Fantasy 9 was 5.3 million, Crash Bandicoot 2 was 5.1 million, Tomb Raider Last Revelation, yee. 5 million resident evil 2 at 14 with 4.9 million wow. that's pretty low for my thoughts of resident yeah, evil 2 because it's, it's one of the best ones yeah absolutely and, uh, if not the best but i mean it's one of the best in my eyes mm-hmm. but a lot of people think it's the best and spyro the dragon rounds it out 4.8 elijah wood number 15 elijah wood did the voice for spyro didn't he i don't know i've not played Doesn't it he? i have the trilogy i've not played him i thought he did it's one of my long-running, like, shameful games I've not played. Wikipedia, that shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Appreciate sure. it right now. I'm pretty sure Elijah anyway. Wood did the voice of one of those spiral games. Well, and I think the last part, and we kind of touched on it last week, but we'll talk about it again, is that Crash kind of became the unofficial mascot for Sony after that. Yeah, I mean, his commercials had a big... Uh, that, that's oh, the so reason good. I went back and watched those again so good that's why the game sold so well because I remember talking about those we used to talk about those commercials they were hilarious yeah absolutely you know and uh, do you know how many games Crash Bandicoot's been in mm, 15 18 I looked it up shit yeah. so for people who think he died out he didn't really die out he just and his cart racing game is not bad man it's pretty good now CTR is still good and it was a free game for a while on um, on PSN Plus, yeah. so for those that have it, you know what my wife said it it's it, it's a good substitute to uh, uh, excuse me to Mario Kart, which she did not think the same of Little Big Planet Kart Racer. Oh boy, she was not pleased with that eleven dollar PlayStation Plus purchase this week. <laughs> so <laughs> just letting you guys know. Uh, well, they should. Um, I would like to see Crash come back in a big bad way. I'd like to see a new yeah. crash redone, you know. Um, Legend of Spyro trilogy. So the Legend of Spyro games, I guess, is where he was on there. I don't see him actually doing Spyro the Dragon. I, I'm. I thought he did the voice for Spyro the Dragon. Hold on, hold on. Video games. Here we go. 
No, he did the Legend of Spyro games, 2006, 7, and 8 on um, PlayStation 2. There you go. GameCube, yeah. It's so useless knowledge that I knew. Yeah, absolutely. Somehow. Um, hey, man, you were the one who told me Jaleel White did fucking Sonic. Uh, Sonic, and I've been watching those cartoons, and you are right. Of course I am. Man, that guy loves chili dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoping it's not a sexual reference. Anyway, um, but yeah, so Crash was... Uh, uh, would would he would even make guest appearances? I think he makes a guest appearance at Spyro, but I could be mm. wrong. But Crash was everything Sony for a long time, and then uh, at the end of PlayStation One, Sony parts ways with Crash as an official mascot, and so does Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog really made Crash One, Two, and Three as part of their deal with Universal. They did not make Crash Team Racing, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make the the newer ones. In fact, um, Radical Entertainment, the guys who made Prototype and Hulk Ultimate Destruction, they kind of took on Spyro or Spyro uh, Crash after um, after Naughty Dog passed the torch. I would like to see Crash done in a more cartoony way, and like almost like the the new Raven games. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see you know him get an overhaul, like a two point five D side scroller. That I mean, throw in the other stuff too, but I, just graphically, you know, get away from that all 3d and, and go a little bit more cartoony hand-drawn looking soda yeah i haven't played the ones beyond playstation one were they any good no nah. did you play any of them uh i i might have i might have tried them out but i don't think they did anything for me <laughs> outside <laughs> I, outside to remember them more yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did not do it for me <laughs> All right, but anyway, um, Crash Bandicoot, again, was something I thought would be a really awesome, uh, you know, kind of like Sonic done right mm. kind of game. And it wasn't that, but what I did find was pretty cool. And again, the cultural background and how Crash came to be was kind of cool. And uh, face it, without Crash, Naughty Dog wouldn't have gotten in good with Sony and Uncharted probably wouldn't yeah. exist. So well, I'll tell you what. For as shitty a platformer as it was. I was fucking cursing you today playing that game. I was like, fucking Fred, I'm so this fucking game. You know what? That's for every time you've told me I'm a fucking pussy for not being able to beat I know. some of my most brutal games. I'm like, I'm just... what game was it that you just gave me so much shit for finding so hard? I don't remember. I can't even remember, but you gave me so much shit. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think I gave you shit. I was just going, oh, I was just like, I guess it was hard. I don't know. I beat it. But I know today as a 39-year-old man sitting here, wasting my Sunday afternoon fucking playing that game. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I wasting my time here? Turn this off. Crash Bandicoot. It's a, you know, I was um like 19 or something or 20 when that game came out. 21. I had the patience back then. I guess. Not now. Yeah, I don't think I want to do Crash again. But you know what it did make me do? Uh, it made me appreciate um, the later Crash games. <laughs> really did. It made me appreciate anything with graphics. <laughs> My, <laughs> dude, that didn't look like a goddamn pixelated mess. <laughs> you know. But, um, all right. Well, I think we're going to call it a night. Um, thanks, guys, for listening mm-hmm. in. Again, uh, Trees and I are probably enjoying a Sunday night off uh, while you're hearing this. But um, mm-hmm. we're glad you came out. And, uh, again, check allgames.com. Or, sorry, allgames.com. 
um, for listening to our live show 11 p.m. Eastern every Sunday night. On top of that, um, you can go to uh, GamingHistory101.com to see what the new Game Club game is. It was a very close race um, between two games. And so I guess I'll tease that. Between Utopia and Eco, um, the answer will be uh, revealed at this point and on last week's show. Uh, Trees, where can we find you during the week? Well, much like your... Um your little um, poll there on which game to play, which you can find over at easymodeunlock.com in the forums. Yes. Uh, this is where you can find me and Rob and Dana every Monday night at 7. Easy Mode Unlocked. And it's a, it's a great show. Listen to it every week. I wish I could be live. The problem is is that uh, um, the uh, the wife works every Monday. It's the one day I don't. I, you know, I got the kid with me. So No, um, no what's crazy is, is we're recording this now, right? Mm-hmm. But we're sort of like, you know, playing around with the space-time continuum. You know what I mean? By the time right. people hear this. So right now, uh, Dana is just Dana. But by the time people hear this, she'll be plus one. She will have spawn. They, they'll, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, and we'll do it on this week's show also, but uh, which will be last week's show now that we're confusing ourselves. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, preemptive uh, congratulations to Dana mm-hmm. uh, for uh, for having a new daughter, and congrats to her. She is a a great person and a great uh, um, you know great person on your show and, and a great friend of mine mm-hmm. over the years. So uh, so yeah, we'll be uh, should be celebrating that, but uh, we'll give some some pre birth shout outs and maybe <laughs> just maybe if you listen live. You will hear live birth because I do believe the Robs will uh, stick to her uh, just riding it through if if her water breaks on the air. Uh, I suggest, yeah. Night. So this yeah. is I suggested this is the show. I suggested putting her in a tank of water and just keeping <laughs> it live to the whole thing. Uh, a um, a Tosh Point oh I saw last night suggested that the bathtub is perfect place to give birth. Yeah, there you go. To either. Uh... <laughs> All right. Uh, sorry, no, 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 sorry. Uh, anyway, so without further ado, we're going to call it a night. Come see us at GamingHistory101.com uh, for news and articles, and check out our forums at Easy Mode Unlocked, and definitely uh, uh, listen on air um, to uh, see whether or not uh, Dana gives birth um, to a child. So anyway, um, all right, well, this is it, and we're calling it peace. Later. Hey, plumber boy, mustache man, your worst nightmare has arrived. Pack up your stuff. I got a little surprise for you here. Check it out. What do you think about that? We got real time, 3D, lush organic environments. How's that make you feel, buddy? Feel a little like your days are numbered? I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You're hurting my elbow. Is that Italian? No, Bandicoot. It's an Australian.